Geek Tank Radio, News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis. Welcome everyone, we are the Geek Patrol and our microphones don't have a stun setting. Today's episode of Geek Tank Radio is brought to you by the Humane Society's new catch and release traps for rodents of unusual size. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a catch-22, mm-hmm. Alan. I mean, it's it's great to, you know, not have to stab them with a sword, but, you know. Letting them out is not the fun part. That's you can. You, I'll let you do that. So. <laughs> well, it's not so much the ROSs as, as you have to drag them back to the edge of the fire swamp. Yeah, and that that can be a little 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 dicey. Yeah, it, being humanitarian <laughs> uh, has its downfall. Anyway, welcome to uh, Geek Tank Radio, everybody. I'm Joe Thorderson here with my friends Brandon Olmstead and Alan Gilbert and our buddy Max behind the glass. And guys, uh, we're kind of calling an audible. We had uh, all of our exhaustive show prep laid out. Don't we roll didn't your eyes, do Brandon. anything. <laughs> we had our we had our best laid plans, and then we had an opportunity to have our uh, good buddy Craig Brewer in, independent filmmaker, director, hey. writer, drop by, and we said, "Well, okay, we're changing our plans." But Craig, hey, it's good to have you on Geek Tank Radio, man. Thank you for having me. Um, I don't have you been on the air with us before? I know we've you know we've known you for quite a while, but I I don't know. I don't Mm-mm. I don't no, think we I've, haven't. I don't think I don't we've think done I've an episode been, with you. Yeah, I've just been to, you know, conventions and Yeah, yeah we yeah, we met Craig. Actually, Craig, we met you. Um, <laughs> I, it, it was sort of a chance meeting. Uh, do you want to tell them how we met? What, what the filmmaking workshop that you did with your son? Oh yeah, like so that was that the the indie memphis youth festival that Cro- they did? no this or, was or, uh, oh no that was over at the the croc center croc center yeah yeah, yeah so I'll, I'll just tell so basically you guys i'm um one of the things we were known for is our educational outreach with the memphis mm-hmm. comic and fantasy convention also working in shameless plugs anytime mm, we can absolutely yeah but but so i'm doing i'm you know we we were getting to the end of the week because we did a week-long filmmaking workshop and we we shot little films with That's the right. students and everything and then it came time to uh, screen them on the last day, and we invited all the parents to show up. And I'm up on stage, and I go, that guy looks like Craig Brewer. I wonder what he's doing here. How did he hear about our workshop? <laughs> I was scouting for talent. <laughs> yeah, and you were you were pretty – you were moved, you said, yeah. by the experience. So. No, it was great. It was really good for my son. And I, I just I, – I, I'm, I'm always a big believer that, like, making movies is something that I think that people – sometimes confused that it's like a privileged thing that you got to like have a lot of money and and you've got to have like influence but i i wish it was treated more like more people could just do it for fun and and especially with younger people you know especially nowadays with everybody having like basically so much more than i ever had with my first film in their phone right i mean like they could they could they could make a movie they could cut a movie they could screen a movie you know all from their pocket and right and, and even advertise their movie you know and so it was just really great to, you know, see my son get involved. And, you know, I, I, I was a I was a guy that could never really get into sports, you know. And so I went into, like, children's theater. And so <laughs> I think that, you know, when you see young people making movies, you know, it's 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 a special thing. Yeah, it, it's cool. And it, it, we, we really stress that, too, just using simple tools. Because I think back in the day, I, I could understand when you had to buy an expensive camera and, and all the gear. Mm. But nowadays, like you say, you can you can edit it on your laptop. You can yeah. shoot it on your phone. And, you know, it's all about telling a good story. Though. What's this need in a laptop? Most tablets come with editing software I built know. in. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But that, that's really the key, though, because I think that I know a lot of people. It, it, here's whenever I get nervous when a filmmaker comes up to me and they're like, you got to see my movie. We shot it on the red, and if you know what this is, the red is like this camera that everybody like you know Fincher shoots on it and everything like that. 
But I always go like, oof, yeah. I'm already suspect. Because if you're leading with like the fact that you shot it with an expensive camera, that means that you're mm. you're compensating for the fact that it may not have a good story. Mm. See, it, you know, mm. Craig, this is one of the reasons we love you. And if you if you're not familiar with Craig, uh, you know, if if you've seen the movie Hustle and Flow, Tarzan, um, that that Dolomite movie with Eddie Murphy was cool. It's and like, then keep going. He's Dolomite got a few more. <laughs> and uh, Dolomite is my name. And uh, Nashville, you've worked on this show, even though we have our. We uh, have no, our I didn't work on Nashville. I work. I worked on Empire. Empire, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. But you were in Nashville all the time. I kept mixing I, that I, up. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I've been to a festival or two in Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> However, um, Craig, you have a very, um, one thing, because I've seen you, you, you're always giving back to Memphis, and you're always um, encouraging young filmmakers, which I appreciate. I've been to some of the film festivals where you've done special workshops with the young people. And at the top, if you, if you wanted to create a pyramid, at the very top of the peak is story. Every other tool and every other device is all about moving the story forward it's not about yeah. what camera you used right right I mean? right yeah i would say that's like it's it's the hardest thing to crack it it really is i mean because it's so simple yeah. you know and 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 i don't mean simple like it's easy <laughs> i mean simple that it's hard and and i can always tell you know there's there's a there's a rocket fuel that i think young you know movie lovers have which is like well i could do that or like they'll watch some action movie and it's like well that was just some stupid mindless action movie and i, I mm. i'll sometimes say like yeah but you know i've tried to like actually sit down and just write a mindless action movie and they're hard yeah. you know they're hard to do and and you know the difference is somebody sat down and did it and you know you didn't yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and that's why you're sitting here complaining about it. And so I think that, you know, I've, I've developed techniques where I can kind of like try to crack story by watching stories and watching right. movies. Well, you've got a very interesting principle about that. And, and so, Craig, I should I should have led with this. I talk about burying the lead. One mm. of the reasons we you are good at that. One of the reasons we wanted to have you on and, and uh, we're going to get into all of this, how you how you look at creating stories and all that but there's something new that you you were telling me about that you're doing over at the crosstown theater and we want people to show up for this so let's let's start with that and and let people know what what you're up to man yeah it's a it's something that i'm i'm i've done i i, I did one about a month and a half ago and i do it like every other month but it's uh it's a secret it's called the secret screening and uh it's at the crosstown theater and uh i i pick a movie it's not one of my movies but it's a you know a, a movie that's probably going to be a crowd pleasing, interesting movie. I just don't tell you what it is, <laughs> and uh, and so everybody shows up. I got like a DJ. I I bring out like a, a surprise special guest, and I usually just kind of talk to them about something, <laughs> whether it be about their about their life or what they're doing or but it has to do with the movie that I'm about to show. So everything's a clue. Yeah, I don't even introduce the movie. I, I and and it's a very slick produced event. We have music cues and lighting cues and and it's aimed to just kind of like set up watching a movie perhaps with like a different context and and also the fact that nobody knows what they're about to see and and it and and it may be that you've seen the movie like a long time ago or 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 maybe never at all but uh the last one was just such a hit you know i mean like the audience just really left exhilarated and it was just it was not your normal hey we're gonna watch a movie and here's what it is they they gave it a shot and i and i felt that a lot of my movies 
kind of have benefited from that. I mean, like I, I remember pitching hustle and flow right, and people really being against it. And I was like, I, I know this sounds crazy, but I, I guarantee you, you're going to care about this pimp who wants to rap and, and, and <laughs> yeah. people would be like, mm-hmm. I, well, I'm, I don't really want to get to know a guy like that. And I don't really like rap music. Why would I like that? But, you know, you start watching a movie and you get it set up a certain way and people are like, you know, I didn't think that I would enjoy that or I didn't think that I would care about that guy. But now I'm now I'm invested. And and so I, I think that's just kind of like the fun thing that I wanted to do with Crosstown Arts and, uh, you know, and and, and uh, try to try to have a fun evening. Um, a, a few weeks ago, Craig, we were talking about the um, we were talking about the Red Hot Chili Peppers song Under the Bridge. Right. You mm-hmm. know, and I, I went down this rabbit hole where I, I found out actually what the song what 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 the context was when they wrote the song and 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 I I'm like that's a really interesting story and suddenly it, all I wanted to do was listen to that song and I feel like it's similar what you're setting up I don't, you're, I don't know you're if giving you remember, us some backstory remember back in the day when Clapton's uh um is it what's the song in heaven uh, tears in heaven oh, is that mm-hmm. that's so that movie song. came out I mean yeah. that's excuse me that song came out and was like it went away and then he did an interview where right. he talked about that it was about his son who, right. who uh, his, his toddler who had, had fallen right. off the balcony and was killed, and that he wrote that song about that, and then and then it it it, it went you know it, it became like huge because now people had this context of loss with it, right? And so it was played at funerals. It was played like people had a whole new connection to the song that they didn't have before. Yeah, and so that's sort of the principle here, right? So. Yeah, yeah, and. It's fun. Like it's uh, it's it's the the screening is something that like you know we're seeing you know everybody's kind of hanging out in the same space for like you know as people are sitting down and and uh, hanging out and then the then the show starts. Yeah, you know, Craig, mm-hmm. I have to admit, you know, because I think I met you in 2013, and uh, you you know, anytime you're in town, I know you're always great about dropping by the convention too, and yeah. bringing your family and fun. everything, which we we because uh, but I at first I felt really special. I'm like, gosh, Craig Brewer is going to our convention. Gosh, Craig Brewer called me about this such and such. And then I found out if you live in Memphis, he kind of is friendly. He, he, you're sort of there for everybody. I have to admit, you know, oh, you're, but everybody's, that's just more of a Memphis state of mind. I think it, I is, it, is. it is a Memphis thing. We've talked many times uh, amongst ourselves, right? Alan about how all you need, if you've got a creative idea in Memphis, put it out there. People will come in droves to work with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and what I've, I have a, like every time I, I will always go to like the official premiere of like one of my movies in wherever the studio is having it. But on the day that it really launches, I'm always at the same theater. I go to studio on the square and they always play it. And uh, I think it's uh, I think it's like uh, the number number one or number two theater where all my movies have played, like even the movie I made for $20,000 back in the day. And it's because there's never this judgment or expectation on anything. People are actually just coming to watch a movie and have a good time or, or enjoy it. Or, and, and no one is like looking at the sales across all markets and, and, and I, there, there's, yeah. there, there's none of that. And, and I would say that like, I remember when I would make movies, and show them at like the old high tone, like right. just on a screen where like they're, mm-hmm. they're selling drinks and you know, where everybody's <laughs> like, this is a great movie, but you know, bring on the burlesque dancers yeah. that you, <laughs> that you <laughs> promised, you know, and, and, and that was glorious, you know, but then again, like I'm also watching like local artists, like, you know, the Bolivians and, and, uh, you know, Amy Levere, all these people that like are here. And I never felt, even though my, 
you know, my movies have become much broader and, you know, I mean, I, I, as soon as like coming to America, finished shooting, like I couldn't wait to just get back home. And it was great that actually the premiere of all of that happened, you know, I could, I could watch it at home, you know, and on, on Amazon prime and, yeah. and, and just be around my family and my friends. Yeah. Well, I think one thing about Memphis is of it's comforting. Yeah. You know, we, we've all got our favorite restaurants. We've all got our favorite hangouts. We got our favorite little spots that we go to, or, you know, uh, if you got kids, you probably go by the zoo and you got, you know, we just have this pattern in Memphis. Yeah. That is very comfortable. And the other thing, uh, especially for, I'll, I'll pick on Brandon for a second because he of and course. I get, get into all kinds of projects together. Of We got such an amazing talent base here mm-hmm. that no matter what it is, of Joe's, you know, called and said, you know, we're putting together uh, 4,000 Legos. Well, let me make a couple of calls. And, you know, next thing yeah. you know, you got, the uh, you, yeah. got, you got all these people showed up going like, Legos? We got Legos? Let's go. Uh, well, welcome to pr- pretty much any project. If you one, one complaint I've, I've heard of Memphis over the years is, well, there's really nothing to do. And my favorite response to that is only if you try not to do anything. Right, right. This is a vibrant city. Well, I even had uh, a friend um, move to Memphis because he wanted to to do what had happened to me meaning like he wanted to make movies Mm -hmm. in memphis and then eventually like you know what happened with hustle and flow and everything else and and i was like and it wasn't really working for him and i said well i i think that the problem is is that you're trying to be famous and Mm -hmm. that's not really what i was doing i was just trying to make a movie that was going to be playing at the local bar and i wanted to be good and there's a lot of people here that just have the expectation of just wanting to be good mm. and they're not mm-hmm. really thinking about fame. And then it, and then if some success comes, then that's great. But, you know, even with our basketball team and everything, like there's something really great. I, I, I and I truly mean this about like we're never number one. We're kind of second. And <laughs> and I and, and but but that's actually a really great place to be. I, I, yeah. I, I, I know I'm not making sense with it, but it's no. like. You're making total sense. It, yeah. It's it, it's like we're we're that we're the that group that is always like, wow, why, why is this yeah. not going to go away? Are they not going to like? <laughs> you know I, what? You know, yeah. We were here last year. We're going to be here next year. Uh, right. We're we're, we're going to push your team to the absolute breaking yeah. point every time we yeah. see you. You you've got uh, welcome to yeah. Memphis. Yeah. You've got those guys out there. It's like I'm going to do this, and this is this person is going to see it, and I'm going to get rich, and I'm going to get famous. Memphis in general, we're just like. We do it for the love of the game. Right. Absolutely. Craig, you, you totally triggered me, and I'm sure you guys know why. So you said something that I just really love, and I want to get on my soapbox. You you create art or because you're driven to do it. You create, you know, if you're a painter or if you're somebody that does any type of art, it's because you feel like your life isn't complete and you're compelled to do it. If you go out there and go, I want to do this because I want to make a lot of money or I want people to know who I am and I want to be famous, it's that's not that that's it's totally backwards and you're you know whether you achieve success or not if you create honest art you've accomplished something in your life so i mean well and and to 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 study memphis like to and i do like i read every book there is about music and and history books and i mean i'm always in that 
third floor of the Memphis library and getting mm-hmm. like old texts and documents and everything like that um, has made me a better filmmaker. I mean, I'll give you like a funny moment between me and Eddie Murphy where um, he did a take uh, and I went up to him and I was like, yeah, I was good, man, but um, let's do it again. Just take some of the butter off your toast, you know? <laughs> and then mm-hmm. I and then mm-hmm. I, I walk away and he's like, what? <laughs> and, 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 and and I was like, and he goes, butter off the toast? I go, yeah, man, your, your toast is good without any butter on it, just, you know. And so now what I... <laughs> What I know is happening there that is, awesome. is that I want to use that. I'm stealing that line, Craig. <laughs> well, and then use it right, awesome. <laughs> right? And then and then Eddie, of course, like had fun with it. Like I came up and he was like, "Does it just need a little more hot sauce?" But, but how, about, how, about, how about some cloves on this, yeah. uh, on this next one? Just give it. A, and and I think what it was is that I think that when I was younger, I would come up to actors or to you know to technicians or anybody, and I would just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and 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 I would I would I would literally try to like get to the specificity of exactly what I think that they should be doing. But if you listen to like Sam Phillips talk to like Jerry Lee or or to Elvis over at Sun Studios in those early recordings, he'd just say things like, "Hey, on that solo, don't get so complicated," you know, mm-hmm. just just mm-hmm. and 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 what that allows is the artist to interpret what the simplicity of what you're asking them to do and then they're not thinking about what they should do they're thinking about what they could do right and and also to feel safe and comfortable with and and so that's kind of like that i when people have talked to me about like how did you kind of like come up with this directing style and everything i was like really it's just kind of like the you know, I would say the college of Memphis, not necessarily the university of Memphis, but just like if you come to Memphis and you really like really just allow yourself to like be steeped in its culture and, and also everything that's come. I mean, if you think about it, like I, I, and not to get on my soapbox on this, but like step on up. Yeah. Get up there. Mm -hmm. Isaac, you know, Isaac Hayes, uh, being at stacks while, you know, um, soul finger is being recorded and, Isaac isn't even like singing on it, but he's he's in charge of the horn section. He's helping as mm-hmm. the and just going outside and seeing a bunch of kids and going like, "Hey, kids, come on in here!" And like, I'm gonna give you a bunch of sodas. And <laughs> when I point to you, shout, "Soul finger!" Yeah, like to me, that's a Memphis way of art, of making art or making music, as opposed to uh, being in a major market and then saying like. What, what what can we do to achieve this kind of authenticity as opposed to it just being outside and 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 making that sort of part of the process allowing for uh improvisation and allowing for it's not you know you're not micromanaging you're not writing every single detail down you're allowing for spontaneity right well a lot of times personal interpretation might not go the direction you wanted it to go and you just like where it went right Right. Yeah. And, and, and it's always, it's always been great. I mean, one of the best parts of hustle and flow is this guy named Claude who s- gives DJ his uh, keyboard at the, at, at, at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And this cat just walked in off the street and, and for, you know, we had all these actors that were through the agency come in and he just said, Hey man, let me just try to sell you something. And he just started coming up with like different things to say. And, I've put him in every one of my movies. He was in Dolomite is my name. And it's like, because he's just straight up authentic Memphis mm-hmm. hustling. And, and he just was, I was like, 
even even Eddie on the last movie that he he played like a like a bum in Dolomite is my name and yeah. Eddie was like how does this guy just seem so comfortable in front of the camera I was like because it's just how he is you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's cool you you know you've um you you've developed a lot of uh, well I don't know if you've developed I feel like you've almost not gotten in your own way when it comes to the way you've evolved as a storyteller uh, yeah I mean I think that I'm 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 always trying to like. Uh, you know, be better, of course, but, uh, uh, it's, it's been the, sometimes the best things that have happened is me, uh, letting go. Absolutely. And well, guys, this is interesting. It's great having Craig on the, um, Geek Tank Radio. We're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to dive deeper into some of his, uh, movie making techniques. Geek Tank Radio. <laughs> News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis. That's what Max sounded like. He was really upset about the controls. They're giving him <laughs> trouble this morning. I don't know. Anyway, welcome back to uh, Geek Tank you know, Radio, everybody. Um, he, uh, he He's working hard to keep us on the air, but... Uh, after last week, he had a he had such a laid back week last week. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun being you know, at the this dog. This is karma uh, getting back at him. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Friday the thirteenth, Saturday the fourteenth was last week, yep. so it's caught up to him finally. So yeah, it's all right. Hey guys, so uh, uh, I'm Joe Thorderson here with my friends Brandon Olmstead and Alan Gilbreth and our buddy Max behind the glass and our special guest, uh, a friend of ours, Craig Brewer, independent filmmaker, producer, writer, director, kind of yeah. just you make art and film is your game, right? I mean. I, I guess I, that sounds pretty good. I mean, you you still do get to you know claim independent filmmaker even after doing Coming to America, right? I don't know if I can anymore. I don't. No. I I, I, I think Tarzan. it's cool. That's I, so I didn't direct Tarzan. I wrote it. He wrote but, Tarzan. Uh, you know. Yeah. I mean, let me let me say this. I've only made two independent films. Out of out of everything else has been through okay. studio system. So that was. The Poor and Hungry and the, but, Hustle Yeah, my and first one and Hustle and Flow. Because uh, right. John Singleton financed Hustle and Flow all right. himself. He put his house up for collateral. Wow, and wow. Paid for it himself. Really? So really, yeah. Which is a, you must like, have felt a lot of pressure on that one, huh? I did, but I was just, you know, I mean, he was a... He was a. He was like my big brother. He. Was, I. I. I look back at it now. Now you know, thinking that you know, I'm. 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 I can't believe that he did that. You know yeah. that he that he put that much risk. You know, into my movie. But oh. now, you know, every time I'm at a Grizzlies game and I see Whoop That Trick, I always wish I. You know, he passed away a couple of years ago. Oh, so I yeah. always wish I could like you know tell him like, man, you know, yeah. we made this thing that just keeps keeps on you know entertaining and, and, and informs the culture Craig you just gave me a question because um you know we've we've seen you around Memphis forever and you're always at uh, like indie Memphis you're you're at some of the youth film festivals and you're always great about giving out advice mostly around storytelling for independent filmmakers but now you're making me wonder is there any advice you'd give out in terms of just the the nuts and bolts business end of it or just maybe things pitfalls to avoid or something like that because yeah, I mean, I think that I well, I guess it depends on like what kind of like part you want to go into. Meaning, like, uh, if you want to, I I have a lot of I have a lot of friends that or a lot of people that come up to me and say like, how can I get into the the movie business? And um, there's kind of two sets of um, advice I can give. One is move to a town that the industry is. Go to you know you can go to Atlanta, you can go to Los Angeles, you can go to New York or, you know, possibly Chicago or something like that. And you can work your way up, but you're never going to work your way up even under the best of circumstances to something where, where someone's going to allow you just to 
be a, a, a voice. You know, you'll, you'll probably end up, you know, maybe becoming an assistant director. And then one day somebody lets you direct like episode nine of season eight of right. something. If, mm-hmm. if, if that works out, the best thing to do is to figure out who you are. And when I stopped trying to just get in the business when I was younger and I just tried to think, you know, my father had passed away at the age of 49 of a heart attack and I, and, and I got like 20 grand of inheritance and he had read this script that I wrote called the poor and hungry. And my mom suggested I just make a movie the way my dad suggested I make it. Like just try to do a crew of two and just shoot it with a video camera and a microphone and, and really concentrate on the the story and the performances and not so much care about like the way it, you know, we shot it on black and white digital video and, um, and, but, but I learned who I was. I, and, and I think the reason why I figured that out was I, I, I was going out every day thinking like, well, what if this is the last movie I make? I just want it to be as if I, suddenly drop dead like my dad like people could look at this movie and go like oh i think i see the kind of things he's into had a very big blues soundtrack you know it was was about people who didn't have much and and also found love and camaraderie and all that kind of stuff so you you find those things that you go like oh well those are the things that i've always responded to in the movies that i've watched when i was growing up or the stories that were told to me and i'm going to try to make a story of my own and and then luckily john singleton saw that movie and he said do you have any other scripts? And I said, yeah, I made another, I made a sequel to this movie called hustle and flow. And then there and that's go. how it yeah. started happening. But it, it wasn't like I, I made it to necessarily, you know, j- uh, jump into the Hollywood system. You want to find out who you are and, and you don't want to do that when someone's giving you a couple of million dollars to do it. Because then if you, if you fail on their economic level, uh, then that's not really encouraging for you to figure out who you are. Yeah, and and you're and you're basically you're becoming their voice, right? I, I like the notion of a storyteller finding their authentic voice, and that's what I'm going to share with the world. You may like it, you may not. It should be the only thing you're focusing on at the beginning, right. and 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 allow yourself to shoot with such attainable tools that you can do it all yourself, or with good collaborate collaborators and friends. Um, but once that money gets involved, like you're on a whole different, uh, you're on a whole different level of risk. Right. And, uh, that's something that I think is important to know because I think that people immediately find, I mean, that's why I always feel like I'm in a good place when people come to me and say like, Hey man, can you, I just need some money and I need someone like you to like get behind me. I was like, well, no one was behind me and no one gave me any money. Right. So you're asking the wrong person if you really yeah. want, mm-hmm. you know, some advice. You got a built in excuse, man, because I bet people hit you up all the time. For yeah. Favors, yeah. So. They're like, what, man? John Singleton gave you all that money for Hustle and Flow. And I was like, well, John Singleton did not give us a lot of money. I, I'm incredibly grateful for it. But we made Hustle and Flow for under two million dollars, shot it in 24 days. Everybody worked for scale um, because nobody else in Hollywood wanted to make it, but that's not my first movie. My first movie, you know, I made for very little. I had to cut it all myself. I had to learn how to light it. Sometimes I would go out and I'd shoot a scene. I'd bring it back. I'd cut it together. I would go like, Oh, this sucks. My lighting mm. sucks. So call up the actors. Uh, can we go shoot it again? Right. And it's like, okay, I'm going to try noir lighting now. And, and, and that's how we learned, you know, and that's how you find out who you are. And, mm. and I think that if you watch even like Dolomite is my name, and look at hustle and flow and poor and hungry you go oh there's there's similar themes there it's like people that maybe don't have a lot they get like a you know a, a de facto family together of like misfits and go like let's make something 
you know, and, and yeah. find meaning in it. And that's kind of the thread that I think you can say, like, that's 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 me finding who out who I was with no money. Is is this all oh, good? Brandon? OK, uh, well, I was just going to say uh, you talk about finding yourself you know, in your filmmaking. Uh, how do you you know? You've also, I know you've you've directed episodes of episodic television. You've done Empire. You've done The Shield. You did the pilot to one of my favorite shows, Terriers. Terriers. Yeah, and I have to, I have to ask. I mean, when you're going into something where it's not necessarily your voice, right. how do you still put your imprint on those episodes? I, I don't, and you that's just, what that's what, well, that's what's really wonderful about it. As a matter of fact, I remember like right before um, I started working on Empire, I had I had written Tarzan, right. And then Tarzan was a project that David Yates went to, went off to direct. And I had two other movies that I had written, and they were just stalling at the studios. And 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 I was kind of lost, and I needed a job. And I remember telling my agents, I was like, you know what I really want to do? I want to work with everything that I know how to do in service to Lee Daniels' vision for the show Empire where my friends are working on. And I want to, like when I, and one of the most rewarding experiences was the, was the episode of the shield I did because I was such a fan of the show. And so I didn't want to put my own input into it. I was like, ah, this doesn't look like the shield. Like, Hey, can you like make that camera like a little bit more dutchy, like put it on its angle or something like that, that you're working in service of somebody else's vision, but you're using your craft to do that. And I will say that even though, you know, I mean, when Eddie asked me to do Coming to America, I remember going into it going like, okay, um, obviously I'm a huge fan, but I've never really jumped on a train that had been moving. Uh, like, like that was a script that had been developed over five years. And I was like, okay, guys, I'm going to, John Landis is like one of my heroes. And I, we've got to figure out like where this movie is going to land in that John Landis type of humor and music numbers. Um, so even though I will say like, it's my film, I felt like I was also just trying to channel what coming to America has, has become on television for, for a lot of generations, you know, right, uh, right. for right now. And also just that kind of John Landis, uh, you know, craziness, but still like kind of grounded in some heart, you know? Uh, okay. Now I've, I've got to veer to the other direction though. Footloose. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, I know that, uh, you know, remakes and, and, and I'll get a lot of, I mean, they get a lot of grief that they really don't deserve. Right. And what you did with Footloose, I mean, I love both your version as well as the original. And it's, I don't, I don't really hold either of them to a yeah, different I'm, standard. It was just, it feels like, while familiar territory, a completely new movie. Well, I, I'm, I, it's, it's funny because I'm surprised at how many people like really do come up to me and just, they're, they're almost embarrassed to say how much they love my Footloose. Right. You know, and I go, it's okay. It's all right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, they're just thinking of Kevin Bacon doing the, the, the rage dancing and uh, which whatever. we all love, which is, you know what hilarious. I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, what's going to be interesting this coming weekend watching Top Gun is that like, you can take kind of the confection type of movie from the eighties, which I'm a huge fan of eighties. Right. Oh yeah. Um, but then what are you going to do with it? And so for the longest time, I really was like resisting doing Footloose because the studio was like, you know, Craig, we've we've done a lot for you. And maybe <laughs> this is the one you could do for us. And mm. it's one of your favorite yeah. films from the 80s. And I was driving to a bachelor party 
in Louisiana. And what's that long bridge that's that's over the all the swamps? That's like it, it's forever. Like when you're driving to Louisiana from oh, that. Like, yeah. I, remember, I think it's the I longest town. bridge yep. in America. Yes, actually. we all turned to Alan. Yeah. 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 And how many times yeah. have you driven that? Yeah. Well, I, I was on it, and we we're heading there, and, and the studio head had called me saying like, "You've got to do Footloose." And I was like, "I can't do Footloose. I can't get my head around this whole like you know outlaw dancing thing. It's just it's just kind of <laughs> you know I I don't see it." And yeah, you're like, I'm, I'm from Memphis. Right. We don't outlaw dancing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and I had rented a car and all the bugs like were hitting the, <laughs> the, the windshield and, and splattering. And I, I hit the, the windshield wipers with the wa- where the water mm-hmm. comes out and washes mm-hmm. your windshield. There was no water. Oh, no. So it smeared bug mm-hmm. guts across the window. <laughs> and, and, and now the sun's coming down and all these semis are going by me and I can't see. No. Yeah, that's not good. And I begin to like sweat, and then like I land and you know like shaking at this at this bachelor party, and of course get drunk. And and that night I just suddenly like had this like panic attack of I thought I was going to be like hit by one of these trucks, and and I was like, and I just sat up and I was like, oh, I know how to do footloose. Wait, like, wait. I've I've never I've never as a parent like I was thinking like man. If my I had teenage kids that were doing what I was doing yesterday, I would just I'd come unglued. Mm. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. I can totally understand. Like when I was younger, I wanted to be Kevin Bacon fighting the man. Now I'm a parent mm. and I'm like, I don't care what you think you should be doing. You know, you need to be safe. And I kind of got it. It was like right. I and, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. We never saw the accident. We never saw the accident in the original Footloose. But I think if you right. see it. And then you go like, oh, I see why this town got so traumatized. And you don't make it just about outline dancing. It's about like just congregating and outside of parental supervision and all that. Like, how do you like, and I found my way in. Right. And I was like, okay, well, maybe if I can do that and set it in the South. Then, so, Craig, yeah. just so I'm clear, if there was wiper fluid in this rental car, there we may no, not have had There would be no remake of Footloose. There would, there would not Bug be. guts on the windshield was right. the catalyst There would not be my it. version of Footloose. <laughs> Somebody else would have done something else. Yeah. But mine required blood. But, but yeah. the bug guts on the windshield. Yeah. That, that guy there was an investment. Just done in a, yeah. It's know. just such an interesting art is fascinating. Just the way things play out. I mean, that's that's it's sort of a divine providence. Somebody forgot to put the fluid in the in the white box. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I'm I'm really you know just like completely taking over uh you know you know the Craig's attention here, but I do have one thing one last thing I want to ask him, and it's. It's because of, you know, current genres in, in filmmaking. Is there any desire in you to do a superhero movie? And if so, who would you want to get free reign to run with? It's hard because, I mean, I I think that... I think I would only really kind of like want to do something in the world of Star Wars. Oh. Uh, only, only because... Um, I know it. I love it. I, I, um, I've made it very clear to everybody that works there that I know it and love it, and, <laughs> and they're 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 aware of me. You're I, hanging I, out I was, at the front door. Like I'm, I was supposed to right before the pandemic. I was supposed to go down to the volume and go to the set and everything like that, and then the pandemic hit. So that was a. I mean, I, mm-hmm. yes, all the death is awful, but that was a really bad day for me. <laughs> no, great. <laughs> you know? We but, we but, sort of there's street level Star Wars that we would think of like the Mandalorian. Then there's the the 
movie one. Which which one are you talking about? Or are you open to anything? Oh, you mean like would I want to do a movie of Star well, Wars? Well, you could do the mini series, like we got Obi Wan coming up, or you could do uh, just a feature film. Oh, which I would like would to. No, prefer? it's it's kind of like what I was saying with Empire. It's like I I, I mean I would want to be in service of Star Wars. Okay. Um, and, but I also love the notion that, that the world of Star Wars is going to be around for a while and I could go like, okay, well, you know, what, you know, what can I do with this character or this culture or this time? Like, I would love nothing better than be like, you know, okay, you know, what, what can I do that is like a civil war, like miniseries that's the battle of Tanab with with lando calrissian or something like that like like what what is what is something that you can take like something from a history that people refer to in the star wars universe and then build that out into something To, to me on a creative level that is is interesting i don't know if really from what i've come to learn with with marvel i mean dc i think is slightly different but marvel you're in service of Kevin's vision right it doesn't really matter what filmmaker comes in and you can all tell me that like oh no they're they're completely you know able to do whatever they want we know that's complete bs well i I mean i get it i get i mean but but i do think that obviously like different filmmakers are going to you know you know i mean everybody's going to bring their own thing but you're still in service of a longer narrative that's being told uh todd phillips doing joker is not that which is one of my favorite movies um, right, ever. Right. So, so I feel like DC at least is in a world where they can shake it up a little bit more. But if you really want to like put a gun to my head and say like, damn it, Craig, answer the question. Yeah. I just think that no one is doing in development. No one's doing Swamp Thing right. Oh. Ooh, I think Swamp Thing is like a Louisiana movie. It's got to yes. be Southern. It's got to be swampy. It's got to have mm-hmm. like... Beyonce as a conservationist in like tan short shorts <laughs> that has like a monstrous vegetable guy next to her. That's like, you know, I, I, I think you can d- d- tap into the Alan yeah. Moore world of that, but still it's still kind of like much more about just, you know, normal, like Bayou country folk and, and something mm-hmm. really okay. crazy kind of like come into their swamp. I and, could, I would totally buy a ticket to that. Alan Moore will never work with you on that, right? Well, he's, Alan he's Moore's not going to work with anybody. He, yeah. yeah, he doesn't want his I don't stuff think he works with himself. So. Right. So, <laughs> hey, well, um, he's a wizard now. So, yeah. Hey, Craig. And, and of course, we'll, we'll circle back and make sure we talk about your special uh, secret screening mm-hmm. project. But I got a question because when we look at, um, okay, if you look at a Christopher Nolan film, it's like, okay, that's a Christopher Nolan film. I recognize the lighting, I recognize the texture and everything. And, um, but everybody seems to have their own look. And, is it is it correct to say that maybe every filmmaker has their own, I don't know what, their own vehicle, like their own approach to filmmaking? You talked about this DVD label approach that you sometimes use for, you know. Yeah. Are yeah. you the only one? Tell us what that is because I'm just. Well, I think what it, it kind of gets back to like finding yourself. So um, when someone is coming up, when someone asks me like they've got an idea for something and they don't quite know what to do, I have like kind of two techniques that I use. One is this DVD technique. Well, it's not so much a DVD. I call it the shelf. Okay. Okay. So if you've got a movie in your mind that you see in your head, but you don't know all the details of it, right? Try to imagine at least the cover of what the DVD is going to look like or the or, or the old-fashioned VHS box set, right? And then put it on a shelf in your brain with the spine out and the name of your project. But then what are four movies that you would also put on that shelf that are in the... Th- 
the spirit or theme that you're exploring. So for Hustle and Flow, it was Rocky, Saturday Night Fever, Purple Rain, and The Commitments. Hmm. And so... It, it, you know, and and like you know, I, I've got this movie that I wrote that I'm I'm developing called Mother Trucker, which is like kind of like a Smoking the Bandit meets Convoy type of thing. So, you know, <laughs> oh, it's yeah. like so you'd put like Sugarland Express, <laughs> you'd put like you know Smoking the Bandit, right? You know, it, it's like you 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 would think about like, but but for instance, like Footloose, I I had a shelf for Footloose, and and on the shelf actually was this movie Ordinary People, which is not a 80s thriller, okay. but it's about you know it's a Robert Redford mm-hmm, you know right. directed film about a family that had a death in it in the family that one of the brothers and how like the family never quite got past it and which is really a big theme in Footloose and so you do that and 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 for for people that love movies you just utilize procrastination to help you so what I do is I watch these movies but I watch them with the counter on so I then stop every 10 minutes and I write down what happened in those 10 minutes. Hmm. And then I keep Very going to the next 10 minutes. All right, well, what just happened? And then you start seeing, and I even have a card system. That's the second thing where it's like, it's basically I have a cork, I have two cork boards and each cork board has like 30 cards on it. And each card represents two pages or two minutes of screen time. So if there's five across, that's like 10 minutes. So I could literally go like, here's 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, 60 minutes on this, this one hour. And then I just go through and I just start like, I'll watch, Rocky. And be like, oh, that's interesting. Apollo Creed comes up at around like eight minutes. Oh, oh, let's see. Six minutes later, they're announcing the fight. Oh, but this is already, he's already met Adrian in the, <laughs> and, and so you start seeing things in the other movies that start right. asking questions yeah. about your movie. And then you do that for four movies. And then you go like, all right, it's time for me to at least put the things that I know about my movie up on my board. Almost systematic storytelling, but it's it's it. I guess it just keeps you in a in, in your lane at least, so you don't just get off on a tangent. Well, yeah, because you gotta you gotta know where you're be, going before you start right. writing. I think that's cool. I don't know, man. You know, well, folks, uh, we we want to remind you if you uh, if you want to meet Craig, it's a really great opportunity. You're going to be at the uh, Crosstown Theater next Friday, right? So. Next Friday, yeah, seven thirty. The doors open. The show starts at eight. It's a great movie. I just can't tell you what it is. Okay. We can't pry the uh, information out of you. Yeah. But, but it, but <laughs> are, cool are you going to drop a hint? Uh, it's, it's, it's really exciting, and it, has, it, ha- it does have space involved. Yeah. All right. So we're, we're yes. going to be geek involved. So it's a it highly, has a geekish hue about it. It's, a, right, it's awesome. a highly produced uh, pr- presentation. You have a Q&A. It's, it's really like a dinner. Get, get dinner. Have dinner and then yeah. watch the watch the movie, see the presentation, it's hang five out dollars. with Craig afterwards. Yeah. Five bucks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, come on, it's a movie. You're for not five charging bucks. enough. Come Craig. on, Why? we What's just wanted. To, I know, but we just wanted to have fun. It's something that Crosstown Arts really wanted. Again, to do. it's not about the money. It's about the love of the game. There you go. That's true. But Craig, man, it's great. I hope we'll get you on Geek Tank more often, and, and we hope we'll see you in November at the convention. So. Always. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's cool. And folks, we really invite you. Uh, what's your Instagram uh, address? I'm, I've always been my brew tube. <laughs> oh, well, no wonder I can't find it. Yes. My Brewtube? Yes, M-Y-B-R-E-W-T-U-B-E. Okay. All right, we'll check out Craig there. So, But, Craig, it's 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 great having you, and we'll see you next Friday night. And, uh, That'll be great. Between now and then, I'm going to see if I can twist some information out of him and, 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 <laughs> and unpry the secret. It's a but, secret, Joe. It's yeah. a secret. 
But um, uh, I need to find out who's going to interview. Just, I just see him acting like Tom Haverford trying to figure out who's trying to buy his business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but uh, anyway, yeah, get out there, watch Hustle and Flow. Mm. Uh, check out all of Craig's his filmography. It's very interesting, and uh, you know, we we know you'll love it. But guys, it's time to get out of here. I mean, uh, you know, the time waits for no man, right, Max? So until next week, uh, we are the Geek Patrol, and I am Joe Thorson. I'm Alan Gilbreth. I'm Maximilian. I'm Craig Brewer. And I am Brandon Olmstead, reminding you to take Craig's advice. Go find your voice. Geek Tank Radio, News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis. Welcome, everyone. We are the Geek Patrol, and our microphones don't have a stun setting. Today we're joining you from the backyard barbecue at the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man's house. Dude. Little change of pace here. <laughs> the this tables the most, have turned. <laughs> this is just the most relaxing, you know, show we've done. Yeah, I mean, ever. Yeah, good food. Uh, Somebody has to do it. Somebody has to do the bad pun. It's interesting. Whatever okay. they likes some more. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, very oh, good. I was just, I was intrigued. I think, I think you owe Joe an apology for stepping on his gimmick. Yeah, yeah. I was intrigued by the protein dishes over there. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> I just kind of like, you know, everything's, you know, cooked by an unlicensed, you know, radio one guy looks like a pack. One, one thing over there looks like the shape of a Ghostbuster. But anyway, yeah, let's well, move along. Know. Welcome to, uh, <laughs> anyway, welcome to uh, Geek Tank Radio, everybody. It's just went uh, to a really dark place, guys. Yeah, got ugly. <laughs> I'm Joe Thorderson here with my friend. Because I ate its leg. No. All right, yeah, I think we really do need to move along. I'm Joe Thorderson here with my friends Brandon Olmstead and Alan Gilbreth and our buddy Max uh, over there behind the glass. And, uh, guys, interesting discussion. So last week we were over there at the, uh, um, what, gosh, the animal, the animal, the Bartlett, Sur- animal, Bartlett animal Services. services. <clears throat> yes. Their, their rave event. Yes. yes. The rabies, rabies and vaccination. vaccination extravaganza. I wonder mm-hmm. if they chose that name on purpose because to me it was terrible branding until you find out you're going to a rave. I don't, like, oh, okay. I don't know when this you said cool. when you said rave the other day. Uh, the you know our our friendly neighborhood dog catcher looked at you like, huh? Yeah. So I'm guessing T-shirts next. Jay year. the Jay the dog. Jay catcher. the dog catcher. It, oh, it's fun. We voted. He's in. Jay's yeah. Jay's a part of the crew. He's awesome. And uh, so you know the the interesting thing is I'm looking at our I'm looking at our schedule. You guys, it looks like we're going to be on the road quite a bit over the next month. We're we may turn mm-hmm. up at, at you know the Italian festival or uh, you know I, I we've got other we things are. that we haven't confirmed yet. But if, we're, we're going to be doing a lot more of these gets remotes. Clogged, it might have been Joe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, so it's fun doing those remotes, and uh, we're going to be on the road. Now, we're not going to be broadcasting from this, but I do want to give a shout-out. We had a um, really great interview on our recent show with uh, Craig Brewer. Yes. You know, right. uh, well, we it's hard to pigeonhole him because he's a writer, producer, director, filmmaker, independent filmmaker, company man, right? He, he works for these... He works yeah. for the big the big studios as well as his own little, you mm-hmm. know, his own projects. Right. He, he has achieved that level where he can kind of do his own thing. Yeah, it's yep. great because he's here in Memphis. I mean, he's not always here. Sometimes when he's working, he's out, you know, he's, he's in, in California. He's in Memphis, but, but yeah. you know, comes home for the food. This is home. Yeah, and he's great. And so he's got an event coming up. Um, it's going to be the uh, 27th. Yeah, let me have the date right. Friday the 27th at the Crosstown Arts Theater, which is that big, giant. We didn't even get into the, the discussion of what an interesting place the Crosstown well, Concourse that, is. And I'm, I'm not trying to be mercenary about it. That's because the Crosstown's not paying me. 
Well, not yet, but we, we should play. We're play working nice. on it. But anyway, it's it's a, the theater is awesome, and it's a it's a perfect night. You just go. Uh, it it opens at seven thirty, and it sounds like Craig's got a really interesting approach. It's called a secret screening. You go there, and you don't know what movie he's going to screen. Correct, and it's only five bucks. Five bucks, but it's a highly produced event. He'll bring in basically. He might bring somebody out from like the University of Memphis. Maybe he brings oh. out a specialist in. Irish studies or something, and, and they start right. discussing things, and through the discussion, you get a clue as to what movie's coming up. So it's a really right. interesting approach, and it's very well produced. There's music, and then afterwards, you can hang out with him and everybody else. He's a very accessible guy. I mean, true. you know, he, he's all about uh, giving back to Memphis and connecting with, he, he's authentic. Let's just put it that way. Well, he hasn't gone Hollywood and turned into a phony. He's, he's still very grounded. Well, let's face it. We're a lot of source material. <laughs> well, that's true. He's probably sitting here taking mental notes, like, okay, He's I just got to. He's going, man, what do you yeah. see the character I'm going to kill in this next movie? I'm yeah. just get, you know, you know yeah. I needed a nerd. Let's amalgamate these three. That's a good point. Yeah, we might we might wind up in a story down the mm, road. So. Could be. Yeah, so we'll be there. That, that's going to be a lot of fun. But, um, Brandon, um, last week on the, uh, this is going to be one of our mailbag discussions. I'm not sure when we're going to, I guess we're going to jump in this soon. But uh, right. we had a, uh, a mailbag uh, come in that you said, let's hold this over because well, it needs to really it could be something that we yeah, unpack i really bit. felt that it could be a full discussion and let's just be honest i was severely distracted last week there were puppies everywhere <laughs> and you didn't go home with any that I was the big no, surprise no, no. I, I i love dogs but my dog is animal aggressive oh yeah. so it would be rude to bring any of the be guys a turf in. war and you know it was a really great you know benefit anyway you were able to get, you know, your vaccinations, your microchipping for a phenomenal discount. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they were doing 50% uh, adoptions. Right. Yes. So yeah, it was kind of everybody a no -brainer. was in there People with their were, dogs. Yeah. And I couldn't really get into a full-on comic book discussion when I'm going every five minutes. Oh, look, it's a puppy. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, yeah. the Great Dane definitely wanted to be your lap dog. Well, I, I like the fact he wanted to do his own paperwork. Well, that was the husky. Was it, was it? No. That no, was no, that was a Malamute. No, no, was that it was a... Uh, no, it no, doesn't no, matter. There, Ma were, no. there were a What's ton the other of dogs. One? Starts with an M. Giant dog. The Mastiff. The Mastiff, right. Yeah. He, he just walked over. He, I mean, literally walked over to the table, stood up, and was like, give me a pencil. Yeah, it was <laughs> It was just, let's just say that between that and the canine, uh, you know... Uh, oh, watching the, the canine, canine unit, unit work. Do, it, was a, it was a great, great weekend, but... We did get a mailbag that I feel we need to discuss. Mm, I, I think, think it'll be very... a really good conversation. Yeah. And that's why we're going to jump into it right now. Okay. Mail time. The mail's here. That means we get to see our old friend, Mailbox. Okay. <laughs> I like that music, though. <laughs> I do. It, it, I, it's I was so a little, Aquabats. I was wow. a little on the fence to begin with, but I find myself kind of jamming to it. Oh, this is great. Anyway. What is it, 70s game show music or something? <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know what it that is, is but that's some serious. Max, Max is a genius behind the glass. Okay. So anyway. this this is an interesting question, and I think we even teased it, so yeah. let's, let's so, rehearse this one. Yeah. Dear GTR, I'm not always a fan of Marvel and DC's interconnectivity. For example, I think the X-Men would be more interesting if they existed in a universe of their own. A universe where pretty much all superpowers came from mutation. There are several DC characters I also feel the same way about. What is your opinion about interconnectivity in comics? And I find this to be a great question because 
I don't like to do the whole back in my day because I don't want to step on Alan's gimmick. Yeah, that's his thing. So, but, but back yeah. in my day, when I right. was a huge <laughs> X-Men fan, mm-hmm. other than the big once-a-year crossover you had, the X-Men pretty much did do their own thing. And what was going on in the mutant you know, communities didn't reflect with what was going on in Fantastic Four or the Avengers or Spider-Man or Daredevil. Everybody other than the big crossover got to do their own thing. But nowadays, comics, it's like if Wolverine sneezes blue goo in his book, yeah, the Punisher references it in his book as if it's a major plot point. So I can I can get behind this. Can um and I feel like we we should include movies. I mean, obviously, how do we just ignore so comics and film? Yeah. Let's just say the MCU, the DCU, and then the, yeah. the so um. Well, this is a this is a whole this one is you know, well. I mean, if you if you bring in the film and TV and other media, then you really have to get you know down and dirty because Marvel wants to try to put this synergy into their movies where if you didn't see, you know, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, right. which should be coming out later this year. Then, uh, you know, quantum mania with Ant-Man and Wasp isn't going to make sense to you. And I feel that sometimes that really takes away because sometimes you just want to watch. Yeah. You know, the Black Panther characters or the Ant-Man and Wasp characters and you don't need it to be connected to everything. Well, look, here's my premise with this. Let me ask you guys this. So the, the, when I, when I hear this, I, I definitely sympathize because my, in my dream world, there would be Batman, and that's it. There's no other superhero. There's no Superman or Green Lantern or anybody. He is a a real street-level, no-super-powered, crime-noir figure fighting crime with no Robin. I'm sorry. I know that's a dream. It's never going to happen. However, in my in my mental landscape, that's, that's what's existing. But when you have um, interconnectivity like you have the X-Men and you have all of the other Marvel superheroes, I feel like... That universe, there's a set of, what do you call them, guidelines, or there's a Bible for that. There's that, that universe is Bible. And I feel like when you have all that interconnectivity, maybe it limits you a little bit. Like if, if, if superpowers only came from mutation and that's the fundamental basis of where it comes from, that's a whole different thing than getting your superpowers by getting, you know, bitten by a spider or getting a radioactive thing. It changes the mentality of the superhero, I think. True. I want to I want to step over into the image comic label right now. Okay. Spawn does not exist within The Walking Dead. Both of these are image comics. Good point. You know? There you go. Yeah. Uh I I believe that uh I believe that Saga and Chew are also from Image. There is no guy chewing chewing up corpses from Saga to tell you the story. You know, that's that's in its own book. That's, and that's I, I didn't think of that. Images, that's one of the great yeah. things I love about you know image comics or the IDW uh, licensed comics. When IDW does a crossover amongst their various titles, it's because of an interdimensional shift. Okay, yeah. you know it's like you know recently. Well, I'm, I say recently, but it was like probably 2018, 2019. They did a full on Ghostbusters crossover that had characters from all the different Ghostbusters universe. The cartoon, you know, the real Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters Extreme, the 2016 Answer the Call crew that I know a lot of people give me grief for actually enjoying that movie, but it's true, I do. But they used them in the comics in a way where everybody kind of intermingled and you know, it flowed, but they were all from different alternate dimensions. 
when when did the idea of interconnectivity even show up? Was that a Stan Lee thing? Was that a whole thing of okay, look, we want to sell comics, so let's throw Thor in the let's have have him do a cameo over here in the Spider Man comic and well, is is that where it came from? Because back in the old days, and I mean this is this is pure speculation because I was not in any of their brains, and I am I still con- consider myself to be too young to know exactly what they were thinking, <laughs> but yeah. You know, you ha- you would have somebody like Daredevil show up in Spider-Man mm-hmm. because, you know, it's like, hey, we've got a story here that will fit the two characters and it might go an issue of Spider-Man and issue of Daredevil, maybe alternating weekly across a month and then be done. Right. And then you would you would have your big summer crossovers like Secret Wars, which was its own book. You know, it was a 12 issue. I believe it was a 12 issue maxi series. Uh, where all the Marvel characters fought against the Beyonder in a contest of champions kind of, you know, format, but they weren't on 616, you know, they weren't on their Earth. And then, of course, you know, when they did Secret Wars 2, that was the Beyonder coming to Earth 616 and, you know, kind of doing his whole thing. But it was always contained in those. Every once in a while you'd have a offshoot where it's like, Maybe the issue of Spider-Man that ran that month had all to do with him getting the black suit because he got the symbiote suit during Secret Wars. Yeah. But outside of that, it didn't really affect what was going on in the major storyline running through Spider-Man at that time. Huh. Now, like you said, you know, the comics try to be like the movies. Right now in uh, Marvel, we're leading up to, uh, I think it's called Day of Judgment which is a big crossover between the X-Men, the Avengers, and the Eternals. Mm-hmm. And it's every book. You know, there's, there's nothing that doesn't get touched by this. And so if you are only a fan of Daredevil or, you know, Spider-Man, you're going to have to deal with all this stuff, even though it's not really a, something that would normally run through your comics. I don't know. Do you, what do you guys feel about that? I, I, I I'm of two yeah. minds. I guess... Looking back at the MCU, I don't like the notion that you have to see 22 movies right. to, to get the... Now, well, at, at the same time, you probably don't have to see all of well, those movies, but to get the full story, you kind of do. Here's, so. the, here's the thing with that, though, Joe, is like early on, you didn't have to see it. You know, it's like... You could just you, watch Captain America. You could watch Captain America and like, oh, Captain America is going to be in Avengers. And, you know, but these movies, you know, they had the characters were well developed enough that you were like, okay, I understand what's going on here. I know these characters. It's awesome. But if you, you know, that's not to say that people who want to absorb all of it aren't also in the right. This is really a personal, uh, you know, uh, your personal taste, your personal, you know, uh, agenda when it comes to the MCU. But if you didn't get Disney Plus and you didn't watch WandaVision and you went into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, your main thought is, mm. why is Wanda being such a, you know... <laughs> yeah, what's her problem? Why is she, why is she when, being such a pain? It's like yeah. the last time we saw her was her talking to Clint in Endgame about how we, uh, you know, how we uh, honor those that have fallen. She misses Vision. He misses Nat. But, you know, they, they, they're going to get through this. And then you see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and you didn't see where Wanda basically had the grief mental breakdown that a yeah. lot of people do in the real world. And especially when you find out that in WandaVision, not only did she lose her husband again, but she lost her children. Yeah. Yep. If she didn't, didn't seem all that hung up on finding vision though, did she? Well, that's <laughs> But if you remember, correctly, 
if yeah. you remember correctly, with the way that everything ended, they know Vision's alive. We're going to see him again. We know oh, that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we know he's out there. Yeah. But the thing that really built that she built that life in uh you know westview on it was the kids um craig brewer said something when we were when we were talking to him i think we we touched a little bit on dc versus marvel in the sense of um dc being more open to maybe like the joker that's a perfect movie right. that that's a well, one-off kind of on its own i mean it's obviously in the batman thing but it's you, like, you didn't have to see any other movies to get the handle on that and there's you know? there's plenty of people who have their various different uh you know uh interpretations of how that movie went there are some people who see it as the origin of the joker that we would see in the dc universe but there's also people who see a man who is acting out his uh delusions via a character that we all would recognize yeah all right so that's why i'm going to argue with joe slightly and okay. the fact that well you didn't have to see other movies well if you hadn't seen other dc movies then that movie made no sense and held no interest for you so you, not a specific movie, but you had to know. You did have to have. You had to have a Batman background to want to watch that movie. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I, it's so, out I in mean, the zeitgeist. We, Everybody knows who Batman well, is. Everybody knows who the Joker. Really even if do. they don't watch the, you know, that's the, the thing. Though, or like, read the we comics. really do take it for granted because of how popular Batman is, how popular the Joker is, how popular Spider Man is. We do take for granted that all these individuals in the world. We think everybody knows them, but that's not necessarily true. I don't know. I think I, I like I mean, images. Just because someone knows yeah. of Star Wars doesn't mean they know anything about Star Wars. Right. I like I like that image comics uh, approach. I didn't think about that, Brandon, but it's it sounds like it's a mix and match. Some exist, some characters exist in a sim, in a same universe, and some are just kind of on their yeah. own. Well, and keep in mind, I mean, this all goes back to marketing. Well, of course, they're trying you know, to sell. You, you got to go back. You comics, know, so, let's yeah. set the wayback machine and let's figure out as they're sitting around going, "All right, well, uh, you know, Brandon the Destroyer is pretty popular, and Joe the <sighs> Builder is pretty popular. So, what if we got Joe and Brandon together because you know Alan's going to build a death laser and take out everybody in Metropolis? Mm -hmm. And they went, well, that way we can cross over the two fandoms." And hopefully get the, you know, the best of both worlds. Yeah. And sadly, that worked once or twice. Yeah. And then, of course, now it now the let the rule of sequels has to apply, because it can't be just as good. It has to be bigger. It has, it has to be to bigger, be better, better, higher body count, whatever. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. I think. Uh, well, I, and but, then you throw in both companies, but. Because right. then you wind up with, you know, DC versus Marvel, Marvel versus DC, because you yeah. will perpetually have the petulant nerd argument who yeah. is faster, bigger, badder, stronger, who would win in a fight between Mamie Eisenhower and, <laughs> you know, yeah. Catwoman, you know, and, it, that kind of stuff. And in those wonderful, rare occasions where we get, you know, like the marvel versus dc crossover the all access crossovers the uh the amalgam universe uh or and in tribute to the late george perez jla avengers mm. oh yeah yeah i don't know i i feel like uh anytime there's a anytime there's any gimmick in there like even i'll be honest you know end game well, and uh end game and um infinity wars had 
they had a, a few gimmicks in there, but mm -hmm. it, it still was was enough emotional impact where it was fun. But the minute a story is introduced and I'm like, okay, this is either about selling yeah. toys or it's about setting up the next thing or whatever. I just yeah. don't like things under the stories is should be at yeah. the top. Well, you know, so well, like, when we get back for our, from our break, I want to touch on you know the the idea of event fatigue. The, bingo, boom, you know. It's mm -hmm. it, it, can I can I touch on that real quick? I watched. Well, well the, I figured we'd do it when we get back. Yeah, no, but here's, here's this is going into the break. Strong. I I watched one of my favorite movies. It's called The Englishman Who Went Up a Hill and Came Down a Mountain. Right. right. Awesome movie. It takes place. It's the simplest premise in the world. Right. These guys. I don't, I don't. I won't even spoil it for you if you haven't watched it. I want a superhero movie like that. Okay. I want one where it's that simple. It's that straightforward. It's one event. They come and go. It takes a course and maybe three days or something and it's over that I, yeah i'm event fatigue exactly brandon i'm kind of uh i'm ready for a little variety i that's why the multiverse is just not doing it for me yet oh, well, i hate to say it man. what happens well, is, is the more layers you put into this the yeah. more story service you have to do and a less original story you're gonna get right yeah and and here's the thing and this is why you should totally get in on the multiverse stuff joe is because the multiverse can give you that world where Batman never had a Robin. Oh, okay. All right, you might you might have okay. me there, Brandon. Yeah. Okay, Brandon, just uh, right. his ears me. just went up. His tail's wagging. Hey, enough of that. Okay, how about a universe where that saying goes away? That'll you know, never black happen. Black hole. You're listening to <laughs> Geek Tank Radio here on News Talk 98.9 The Roar of Memphis. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Geek Tank Radio. News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis. You know, for a bunch of retreating cowards, they sound like they're in the heat of battle. They sound It sounds pretty good. I don't know. Sometimes you get loudest when you get to go home. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, welcome back to uh, Geek Tank Radio. I'm Joe Thorderson here with my friends Brandon Olmstead and Alan Gilbreth and our buddy Max uh, over there behind the glass. And uh, if you're just tuning in, we're talking about, uh, I guess... The interconnectivity of uh, DC and Marvel, both in their comics and their movies, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Right. Or, or maybe just, you know, then you brought in a variable, Brandon. Image Comics sort of does a variety of both, which I think that's the approach. Because, you know, we, we just watched Moon Knight. That just wrapped up. And you guys are talking about all the characters they can bring in. And just based on the premise I saw, I'm like, I don't want Moon Knight with anybody. I feel like right. the minute you bring him in, you're going to undercut what we've learned about Moon, I don't know. Some some of them, I'm happy to see them in their one, own universe. One so. of my one of my favorite interactions is actually between uh, Mark Spector and Frank Castle. And Frank asks huh. him, "Are you still crazy?" And <laughs> and Mark says, "You know, yeah." Well, how does that work? Is it Mark or is it Moon Knight? No, it's they they know him as Mark. He's in the Moon Knight gear, but they know him as Mark. Well, I guess in theory he there, could be he could be dressing up as Moon Knight with no super. I don't know. See, the oh, minute no, no, no. you bring it in, it sounds like no. Here's here here's the thing. You, you know, you're you're connecting it too much with the, what happened in the show right now. Okay. Which again, you know, it's like it. I would love to see Jay Barenthal and our Oscar Isaac reenact that scene, because eventually Mark's going to find out that Jake didn't give up the mantle. True. I don't, wait. Yeah. I, I, you lost me. Give up the mantle. The, yeah. Oh, so Mark. The, Mark relinquished the mantle. Mm -hmm. Stephen relinquished the mantle. Mm -hmm. Jake did not relinquish the mantle. The body is still Conchu's avatar. 
Okay. Gosh, sorry, folks. We didn't give a spoiler warning, but I guess we're... I would hope that you. I would hope that if you had any intention right. of watching Moon Knight, seeing as how several episodes back we spoiled Moon Knight. Yeah. Well, yeah. if that made any sense, you already watched it. If it didn't make any sense, it won't make any difference. Okay. There you go. Yeah, I guess we better be careful. But um, I, I don't know. No, know. no, no, no. It's it's it's, it's too it's, late it's to be careful at this point. But We're talking comic books. So no matter what happened, who died, where they died, how they died, all it takes somebody is can bring them back. Somebody can change them. You used to be a villain. Now you're a hero. Oh wait, we sold more books as you were the villain. You'll go back to being a villain. You got. You know, welcome real, to comic book, guys. It's, I it's hate this. This, comic is, books. this is that part where I go, man. I wish Magneto had sold more as a villain. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm tired of Magneto being a hero. I think, to be honest, I think one of the things I gravitated towards when when Vertigo comics came out was, uh, as far as I saw, I saw one in the Sandman comics. I saw a very small couple of references to like I don't know the Justice League or Martian Manhunter mm. or something, but for the most part, these were just stories, and they could take mm. place anywhere. In time or space or anything, but um, but what happens? I feel like what happens with the endless is eventually you had enough of them that were selling their own books that you might as well have been reading the Justice League. Yeah, well, I guess Just what I'm wondering spooky is League. technically Sandman does take place. Yeah. In the DC universe, right? But it's just the bad. I, I guess it's to the degree well, that they showcase it. Maybe that's my. I, thing. I think. I think. You, yeah. There's. You know. Just because the play. You know. Characters share the same universe or anything like that. I like the idea of characters not running into each other just because they're in that same universe. I don't need Spider-Man swinging by in the background while the Punisher's mowing someone down. Yeah, I think that's what it was because growing up, I read Marvel comics. That was my thing. I, I mm. would read uh, Spider-Man, Thor, and all those. And I remember specifically, and I in a lot of Stan Lee yeah. comics, it would say, hey, why is Thor over there flying past? Well, fine. And, then, and there's a little yeah. thing, like a handwritten thing. It says... Find out in issue seventy four yeah. of Thor's blah blah blah. And it's of, like obviously it's just a, a commercial. Well, a, yeah, a like lot they of the, just worked. A it lot in. of those background appearances of other characters were so you were going, man, what you know, what is Thor doing in Hell's Kitchen? Better check out you know uh, Daredevil. You know, I also like the fact that back in the day when they would throw that character on the cover and it's you know to just oh, straight yeah. up go, yep, you know Thor, you know. What uh, what business does Thor have in you know whatever? Um, it was it was a simpler time. We had our crossovers, we had our guest stars, but usually the cover you know kind of told you why they were there, and half the time they weren't even there for the whole time. Oh no! Uh, yeah, but they then, were there you know, to sell like comics. So. Later on, you know, you'd get something where it's like you've got a character that's super popular, like Wolverine. Wolverine was showing up everywhere. Um, there's a great issue of Ghost Rider uh, that guest stars Wolverine and the Beast, Hank McCoy. And the cover of that issue, though, is it's Danny Ketch, Ghost Rider, and Logan basically sh tearing into each other. You know, Never happens in the comic. Yeah. But back in the day when, you know, when, you know, when we, what we were talking about with the others, if there was a thing on the cover, that scene happened somewhere in the comic huh now that i'm thinking no. of it you know and here here you go alan here's your food reference i'm bringing up a food <laughs> reference on geek tank you've um, done that a couple of times recently surprisingly and, and well actually brandon you're a foodie too so here's here's here how about think of it this way every character in 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 dc universe or marvel is a is a rest is an ingredient, it's an ingredient. uh well, you know, um, you know, one might be a, a protein, one might be a spice, one might be a, a vegetable or something. 
Depending on how you mix and match it, it could be delicious. Yeah. However, you don't just throw everything into the pot yeah. because <laughs> at that point, it's what are you even eating? Right. You know, it's I mean, like, so I feel like maybe that's the problem. I've seen some team ups that are great, yeah. you know, that they really work. There, there, there are, uh, you know, characters that I always felt had great interaction uh, are, you know, actually ultimate Wolverine and ultimate Peter Parker, Spider-Man. What's the difference? To be uh, honest, I don't know that. All right, all right. So the ultimate universe was, was somebody's uh, marketing attempt to give you full access, easy access to, you know, characters at the beginning. <laughs> so you weren't bogged down with continuity. Not that Marvel really has ever paid attention to continuity. Yeah. What's if that it didn't, word? If well, it didn't. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's characters whose powers change depending on what issue they're in. Or they're but, a villain one episode. And right. Yeah. Right. So, Magneto. um, they were trying to give you a ground level introduction. And these, though, you want that for, you know, your younger readers, but then these comics were definitely not for younger readers. Oh, gotcha. You know, yeah. The, the X-Men comics were gory as I'll get out. Um, it took, it took three issues to kill off Uncle Ben in Spider-Man, but they still had Uncle Ben laying in a pool of blood. Yeah. It was, uh, well, um, well, you know, let's face it. How many times can we kill Ben? Apparently, one more. Every it's, Anytime, it's just really, yeah. can we stop shooting? Ben, I, I, it's like really? I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad they they went the other direction with the Tom Holland Spider Man. So he's already dead. It's all Let's good. Move on. Um, <laughs> well, no, no. The the whole great yeah, power, we never great saw responsibility him, thing only comes about that. when uh, in this latest movie, which you know we've never seen an Uncle Ben in this. Right. So if you haven't seen uh, No Way Home, I suggest seeing it because you know. Tom Holland's Peter Parker finally got his great power comes great responsibility moment, and that's the Spoiler one thing that alert. is <laughs> that is, alert. that is the one thing that's been missing Very from good, his series. Yeah, yeah. The basis of Spider Man has not been mentioned once in right. those three movies. Yeah, until okay. that third movie. Is it a spoiler to say Uncle Ben died? I mean, I guess I, I'm glad Max. Uncle here on Ben top of died. It, but just any excuse to press the button. He just want. He's been wanting to press that button I, all day. I've so, maintained yeah. for well, years. He's just in the witness protection program well, and he runs a rice company. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but I do want to. I do want to jump back over to uh, the interconnectivity thing and what I said before we went to break about the multiverse. Oh right, yeah. Okay, because you, you know, kind of got me interested by you know, saying that. You you know there's. There's a book that Grant Morrison did called Multiversity. Yeah. And there's a source book to that that tells you about all these different Earths in the, uh, you know, in the DC multiverse. Right. You know, they're not all named because, you know, there's a ton. Uh, but you'll, you know, it's like y you could find that universe where Batman is the only hero. Because, you know, it's, it's all street level and, you know, he never met Dick Grayson. And uh, Alfred was never, was not really the, um, the positive role model that you know we kind of think of him as, and that well, Batman, I like is, Alfred, that Batman yeah. is really more of a darker character. A he's he's less a hero and more a full on vigilante. Um, but it's it's definitely a kind of a crime story. I mean, have you ever read the Batman Earth One books? Yeah, I've read that. Well, I was going to say because yeah. Alfred's like a he's like a Alfred, you know, Alfred's CIA like, guy. He's like M, he, M, he's like a Renaissance man. You know, yeah. it's like he's been involved in everything. Right. Um, I, I guess I like those. I guess it just has to be set up the right way because then if you just throw it out there where you can do anything, I feel like there has to still be a structure and there has to be – otherwise, well, you know, because I know like in the Elseworlds stories where like, for example, uh, uh, they had one where Clark Kent 
where, where, where I should say uh, Kal-El lands in Russia instead. Right, and and that's a great one, Red Sun and everything. And uh, But there's still the same another principle. He gets his powers one. from the sun and, you know, so. Another really good one is Superman the Dark Side, where he lands on Apocalypse instead of Earth. Right, yeah. And he's raised by, raised by Dark Side. Um, we have uh, in Darkest Night, which in that in that Elseworlds, Bruce Wayne is the one who gets the Green Lantern ring. Oh yeah, I've seen that. No. I've got that one. I've I've got quite a few. Yeah, there's one where uh, where um, Clark Kent gets picked up by uh, um, by the Thomas and Martha Wayne, and he he becomes Batman. Yeah. So have it's you, like, yeah. Before we get back to the interconnectivity of comics, I, I want to ask: Have you ever read The Nail? Mm, I don't know that one. JLA The Nail. Uh, it's a three issue, uh, you know, Elseworlds series. Because of getting a nail in their tire, the Kents never find Clark. Oh, now that's interesting. Don't give okay. Don't no, give no, me the no, spoiler no, no, on no. this one because that's I, that's I, literally that's that's the whole premise of the book uh, of the series, and I I definitely think you should read that because I mean, come on, for want of a nail, you you just gave as me as a, a carpenter. I think that should, you know, like definitely, you know, strike a chord. There. Tie them together. Though, I love Brandon. that scene. But, Brandon, you just made me. Okay, you know, we we had a point of revelation. When we were talking to Craig Brewer before, he said he had the point of revelation when bugs splattered on his windshield. Yep. And right. if it wasn't for that experience, we may not have had the second Footloose movie. Right? right. Okay. You just gave me a bit of revelation. I think the whole ingredient with this is not so much the, um, it's not so much the interconnectivity. It's not so much whatever. Uh, Marvel or DC is doing it in give a moment. I think it's our attitude because honestly, um, okay, well, I don't always like having Robin in a story or something. Well, you know what? I'll read the stories that have Batman in it, or I can, or or it's the way that I um, maybe I shouldn't just take things so serious. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should say, you know what? This particular uh, Wolverine story was really cool. I'm gonna enjoy it for what it was, and I'm right. not gonna get hung up on what this is going to do to the future of, you know, Marvel or whatever. And I think it's just, maybe there's just two, maybe before social media was around, <laughs> this would have been a lot more enjoy. I, I think comics were, were more fun before we well, had social I, I media. Don't, I, I, as someone who, cause hung now out I feel in, like it's a, <laughs> I'm yeah. going to say as someone who hung out a lot in comic shops before mm. uh, social media was really a thing. I completely disagree with you. Okay. I'm just, the only thing that social media did was it put those arguments in a Closer, bigger, in, yeah. in, a, in a bigger uh, venue. Well, because all right. Well, it's my own ad. I'm res I can't help what other people think. I right. can only help what I think. So, I, I yeah. think your storylines were better when it was more about story and less about production. Right. Because we had the great and, investment boom. Yeah. Of the late nineties. Mm -hmm. Where the, where the speculators kind of killed everything. Let's, let's face it. You know, Wall Wall Street came knocking at the comic book door. And you got Wall Street product. Yeah. You got some really pretty covers. You got a lot of really flashy printed stuff. You got a lot of crossovers and big books that are, you know, you got a lot of 55 cent comics that are now worth 65 whole cents. And what's that other thing? You got story by committee. You got all the suits well, saying, well, you need to shoehorn in this, this, and this because well, we're trying to sell... It, this particular way. And having written in a shared universe, mm -hmm. let me tell you about writing in a shared universe. Writing in a shared universe is a pain. I think it would be Because horrible. you have to 
remember that uh, Twiggies are always blue, except for in May where they turn pink. And by the way, your story is going to happen on June 1st. So, you know, you know, all these... It inhibits creativity. As I, as I say, story service, where you've got to meet all of these certain details before you can even get started trying to tell your version of this story. Yeah. Now, maybe everything, maybe things are just too big. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have well, the Marvel Cinematic Universe when we were growing I, up or the, you know, it's... It's, it's a always, juggernaut, and they're, that's, they're in service to well, that we will now. always go back to it was a simpler time. And to actually compare a comic book movie to a comic book series from the 60s or 70s is impossible. Yeah. Because it's not the same animal. No. It's the same character. A, it's the same idea. It's the, it's the same selling point, but it is not the same product. And, you know, it's and it, and it does. It, it affects every form of media these characters are in. Uh, I'm going to jump back uh, to the first season of the cartoon Static Shock. Okay. Now, Static is a character created in the Milestone universe. Uh, he was co-opted along with a lot of other Milestone characters to show up in DC Comics. You know, he's, he's hung out with the you know, Young Justice and the Teen Titans and everything else. Uh, during the first season of his cartoon, though, his, you know, the DC characters were, he knew of them the same way we did. He knew of them as comic book characters. And oh, that's there's a, interesting. There's an episode where he has to get a you know like a job at a fast food place, and his buddy's like, "Hey, even Clark Kent has a day job." Yeah. Mm -hmm. When they rebooted the or re reworked uh, the show for season two and introduced the DC universe in as actual characters and not as comic book characters that he knew. They went back, and in that first episode, they pulled that out because Static knows who Superman is, but he doesn't know that Clark Kent is Superman. <laughs> yeah, there you, you know, go. Well, and little, it's, little things to trip you, you know, up, yeah. And, and that interconnectivity, like I said, with limits, it can be a wonderful thing. But one of the worst things about interconnectivity is that now everything, and I, I hit on this before we went to break earlier, everything has to be an event. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think the it's one of the is... reasons I stopped collecting comics as hardcore as I did. I I'm a casual reader now, and it's mainly just to keep up with what's happening with characters I grew up with, characters I loved, and uh, I'm not a big fan of a lot of the stuff that they do with them now. But I know that these comics aren't being written for 44 year old Brandon or you know 10 year old Brandon. They're now being written by you know for you know. 40-year-old guy who thinks that comics needed to grow up with him yeah. because they priced younger kids out of them years ago. And that guy is now starting to realize he can't share his love of comics with his kids because they've, you know, comics have grown to this point that they're not accessible for his kids anymore. Yeah. I guess one comfort thing, though, is, you know, uh, it's easy to say, oh, well, comics and you know the comics the comics industry is in trouble or it's over or or the the the, mm. the, the mcu is played out and whatever it, it it always gets refreshed because every yeah. generation if you look at a well, 1940s batman comic versus a comic from the 60s or the 50s every every 10 years or so it gets reinvented yeah. so comics don't comics panic, are all, everybody. comics are you always going to exist in one form or another right um i just you know at this point you know, you've got guys who are keeping the industry going strictly out of their own uh, obsessive compulsive disorders and their own need to collect. 
Yeah. Rather than because they're enjoying the story. It's like I know so many people who, you know, still buy their comics every, uh, you know, each issue, every time it comes out because right. what are they going to do? They've, they've already put so much money into it. They've got to keep going and they aren't enjoying it. Oh, we've gone down that road. You yeah, know, yeah. I, I gave up like, once. Uh, once it stopped being fun. Well, I should yeah. say once I had kids, I couldn't afford it, so I had a built-in excuse. Right. But um. but I mean, but, <laughs> yeah. But that was the thing. Is I mean, I've got so many friends who, is, and I mean, you know, we bring up. We've talked about Moon Knight a lot. Uh, a friend of mine who just did not like Moon Knight at all, and my my biggest question to him was, after two episodes of realizing you didn't like it at all, why'd you keep watching? Uh-huh. Because as long as that streaming, uh, you know click goes into the algorithm as long as that's there they're gonna see that as a sign that that's what you want more of somebody watched it so yeah huh i don't know man it's an interesting discussion we hope you'll weigh in and give us your thoughts i mean uh it's 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 uh it makes me realize just there's just so much content on there and honestly it's making me think i i kind of want to go look at some fan fiction or something so (laughs) get a get a a a different take you know fan-made Products, well, keep in know. mind every every new artist out there was fanfic. Yeah, I mean that's they, how they started. They drew they... these characters before they were paid to draw these characters. They were imagining storylines long before they were allowed to draw the storyline. Oh. So, and you bringing that up actually, I, there's one thing I want to hit on before we do leave. Yeah, and I'm so tired of this. And this this may be me just being the grumpy old man that I am. Mm? And it's shining through. I am so sick and tired of any time I read an article with someone who's coming on to a comic who is a, you know, who's going to be writing this storyline going, I was never a fan of this character growing up, but I'd Mm. like to put my own spin on it. Oh, yeah. If you don't know the character, step away. Yeah, that's one of my pet peeves, too. It's like, well, you know. I mean, I know that there's plenty of people. Why would you take this job? There's plenty of why would you? Take well, they're this high. They, it's almost like they're hijacking the character. It's like, okay, yeah. well, this is a vehicle to tell what I want to see. You know, and, and without doing the heavy goes, you know, lifting. I like the character, but I always thought it would be. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Marvel is abysmally bad at this. Yeah. Is like you you come in and you kill off Tony Stark. Why'd you come in to write Iron Man just to kill off Tony Stark? Yeah. Nobody has ever been more popular than Tony Stark in that armor. Or yeah. will be, you know, or will be. You Create all, your own you always have to yeah. bring him back. Well, yeah. the thing is, is like you know, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on Riri Williams for a minute. Yeah, Ironheart, who is an amazing character. She could have been introduced as a protege of his. Mm-hmm. She could have gotten her own armor, do her own thing. It'd be awesome. Uh, instead, they kill off Tony. They introduce Riri Williams out of like, you know, just like left field. Don't give any kind of character development for this character. <laughs> Later on, you get to learn about her. And, you know, she's right. she's awesome. But the person who's actually Iron Man at the time is Victor Von Doom. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, makes you wonder why? why. Right. Yeah. Why would you why would you take such an interesting character and, and go that way yeah. with him? And and Marvel's also really bad about this is that when you complain about what they've done with a character, you know it's like it's like well you know you we're watching the MCU, Tony Stark's this major player. Why'd you get rid of Tony Stark? Then when you, the fact that you want him back, they bring him back, but they basically tell you you're wrong for want of the love you have for this character because it you know tears down the other characters. 
Riri Williams, Ironheart is still rolling hard. She's getting her own series, and and it's going to be awesome. Uh, you didn't have to you didn't have to kill off Carol Danvers to bring in a new Miss Marvel. You just promoted her to Captain Marvel. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, That's two different ways you <laughs> can go about it. I love the way that Captain Marvel did it. I hated the way that uh, you know that Iron Man handled it. I still got really cool new characters out of both of them, but. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, hey, if you've got strong opinions about any of this, and, and if you just want to get in on our, gosh, we got a whole show out of this one, out of our mailbag, oh, yeah. uh, get in touch with us. You can leave a voice message or a text. And, I am uh, giving free passes to the person who sent this in. Oh, yeah, They're absolutely. two, three-day passes to the Memphis Comic and Fantasy Convention. Uh, this was a whole show. Get in touch with us at 901-683-0989. And just a quick reminder, the Memphis Comic and Fantasy Convention, we changed the dates. It's a, It's a week later. No, that's not the end of the world, folks, but uh, because of scheduling issues, we had to change it. So it's November 18th through 20th. You can learn more at MemphisCFC.com. Guys, it's time to hit the road. Yeah. So until next week, we are the Geek Patrol, and I am Joe Thorderson. I'm Alan Gilbert. I'm Maximilian. And I'm Brandon Olmstead reminding you, contact us. We will talk about you. <laughs> mm.